morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. You're listening to 87.6, 87.8 and 88 FM right across our beautiful country of Australia. We hope that you're grateful for something this morning. In fact, we know, we know that you must be grateful for something this morning. In fact, if you've woken up, if you're alive, then you have something to be grateful for. So give us a text and tell us what you're grateful for. Our texting number is 0491064669 and we'll share it with the whole of the world. We can make it anonymous if you like, but uh, you can leave us your name as well. And we'll tell everyone what you're grateful for. I am grateful this morning for the summer breeze. Well, October breeze. October is my all-time favorite month in Australia and it's because of the beautiful breezes because they're not as hot as, you know, the summer breezes in the summertime when you wind down your car window because you want to cool down but then the breeze comes in and it's just as hot (laughs) as the air inside the car. I love October breezes because they're just the perfect temperature, not too hot, not too cold. And there was one billowing yesterday when I was walking in the hot sun and uh, it was just so nice to not have that pressure of the sun uh, without the breeze. So I'm, I'm really enjoying Newcastle. Newcastle breezes are very lovely, <clears throat> for which I'm very grateful. We have a fantastic show coming up for you today. Uh, our interview is very exciting, very uh, very sciencey, uh, which is Byron Neunstraten. Um, probably pronounced that wrong. But he's going to be joining us uh, on the phone talking about the creation. We're going to be doing a series uh, over the creation days. And so today we covered day one, which was very excellent information. And uh, we're very grateful to have had him uh, join us today. Of course, by the way, this is a delayed broadcast introduction, as I'm sure you know, because we do tell you this every day and um but you know what you can still jump across to the live show you've probably been thinking about it for a while but maybe let's make today the day you join the live show uh you can do it two different ways you can download the tune in app make sure you get the free version don't get the subscription based one because you can get it for free and it works just as good uh download that one search for faith fm australia and uh just press play and and, uh, you can listen to us there anywhere that you can get a wi-fi signal anywhere on the planet or you can just go to our website, it's faithfm.com.au and scroll to the top of the page and you'll see a little play button on the live stream. And once again, you can just press play and listen to us there. Also coming up in today's show, we have a quiz. We have two different giveaways, one of them which is still open to you, of course. Uh, if you are one of the first 100 people to subscribe to our new YouTube channel, we are going to send you a cookbook. It's a wonderful cookbook all about superfoods. It's called Nature Superfoods, Simply Natural, Super Healthy. Uh, they go over the 28 superfoods with recipes for each. And uh, if, you go to, if you go to YouTube and search for Faith FM Australia, you'll see us pop up there as our channel just subscribe and we'll see that subscription come through and we will send you a free copy of the book anyway stay tuned great show starting up right after this song i keep fighting voices in my mind that say i'm not enough Dream 
Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. listening to Lauren Daigle with You Say here on Faith FM and once again as we kick off the show as we always do we have a quiz what is our quiz today before we do the quiz oh, where you have to work to win the prize I'm going to tell you about our free giveaway again for first hundred subscribers to our YouTube channel one in a hundred like 
just, I mean, it's all you need to do. Just be one person in a hundred people. Yes, and they are coming in thick and fast, so hurry up and subscribe. I haven't actually checked the numbers yet. We might be already out. Nah, I'm sure we're fine. But uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, just go to youtube.com uh, and search for <coughs> Faith FM Australia and subscribe to our channel and we will send you, because all the subscriptions come through to us, we will send you a copy <coughs> of Nature's Superfoods Simply Natural Super Healthy. It's a book uh, that covers 28 superfoods and gives a recipe for each and uh, this cookbook is delicious. We've had it sitting on our desk here at the studio for a couple of days now, and uh, it's just causing a total drool out uh, here on the desk. I know. It's a bit of a problem, actually. Look, because at, look at these. Ging- no, no. Don't tell me to look at that. I don't want to look, look at, at that. these gingerbread men. These yeah. gingerbread men are literally wearing ties. How cool mm. is that? I'm not so much worried about the ties, what the tie's made out of. Uh, I think it's made out of dried fruit. It looks good. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So if you want a copy, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will send you a copy. Um, but now for the prize for the quiz. Now for the quiz, I should say, uh, which you do have to work a little bit for. This is a Who Am I quiz, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say this is medium hard. But the first clue is this. Both Moab, the father of the Moabites, and Ben Ami, the father of the Ammonites are my sons. Yeah. You know who that is, don't you? Yeah, you do. Give us a call. You can win the prize if you know the answer to that one. Okay, so all my friends from Lismore who probably uh, should be listening in on their um, tune-in apps this morning should know about this one because I spoke about this on the weekend. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Extra clue for uh, Lismoreites. Um, and extra motivation to be listening on uh, either the either the TuneIn app or via faithfm.com.au uh, uh, so that you get the live show. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843 if you think you know the answer. And, and, and of course, the Lismoreites have no excuse because uh, when I was up there, I showed them how to all load it on their phone and get it up and went running. So. Hey, come on, Lismo. Yep. Come on, Prize is coming Lismo. your way. Prize is coming your way. And welcome, Lismo. Welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we have um, some, some really positively different cool news, news you today, You always Lyle. have really cool yeah, ha, ha. news. I get to do this segment. You don't. So, okay, this is so, this is so, it's like blowing up my mind. Okay, so look at this picture. you're blowing raspberries into the microphone. I'm okay, showing, a, I'm showing Lyle a picture yeah. of like an African sort of savannah kind of scene. Um Arid, not much happening. Yeah, I thought that and, was Outback Australia, actually. Yeah. But anyway, we'll and then there's a, a shipping container sitting in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Guess what that shipping container is doing, Lyle? Um, getting hot in the sun by the looks of it. It's actually an ingenious piece of technology, and it has just won the top prize for its ability to provide clean drinking water to millions of people around the world. Guess how? I have no idea. How do you provide... How does a steel shipping container provide water in a dry desert? By mimicking the way clouds are formed. It's literally a cloud machine. It's, you're looking at a cloud machine. Like, it's just blowing my mind. It's a, it's a device that was developed by a... <coughs> now, um, Mon, I, yes. I, I actually know what a cloud looks like. Well... This does not look like a cloud. This looks like a shipping container. You're there about to have your mind between, blown. There is a difference between shipping containers and clouds. You are about to have your mind blown. So this device, it was developed by Sky Source and Skywatcher Alliance, which is a um, developing company, and it looks like an ordinary shipping container, but inside the box is a power system and it sucks in warm air, which mm-hmm. of course is lots of in Africa, um, so they can mingle with the cold air inside, which causes condensation to form. And then the resulting water droplets are then collected into a water tank, which can be dispensed through a tap. 
So the, so the hot air goes in and turns into rain. Mixes it with it the, rains inside the container. Basically. There's cold air inside, warm air outside. They suck the warm air in, mix with the cold air, cause condensation, collect the condensation, and you can turn on a tap and get the water. That's so pretty cool. Let me explain a How bit much more. How water can you get out of that? Well, though? this I mean, is like, really like cool. This is really cool. Three drops a day? Because this, 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 I'm really happy about two things about this. <laughs> One, that this thing exists, and two, that the UN was a driving force behind it. Um, they, they have something uh, they created two years ago in 2016 called the Water Abundance X Prize, which is a competition, um, and uh, and you can win like big chunks of money. And uh, and I think that's great that the, the UN uh, should be doing this. And they did it as a means of spurring engineers basically to harness technology um, to provide clean drinking water to, to millions of people. And they do have some requirements. There's the three requirements to win this prize. I'll tell you what they are. So any technology entered in this competition uh, has to run on 100% clean energy. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to extract at least 2,000 litres of water from the atmosphere every day. You've got to be and, kidding and me. And that water has to cost less than two cents per litre. And this this box... And these guys won it with they their won, container? They won $1.75 million for their prize. And um, and let me explain a bit how it works. And this is this is cool on so many levels. This is not just like, oh, it creates rain. Like, check out how it does this, right? So, in order to generate the amount of electricity necessary for the system, because mm-hmm. obviously the, the air has to be cold inside, that just doesn't happen magically. Yeah, the technology has to, uh, can be powered by what they call biomass. So, basically twigs, branches, dead trees. Um, which has two benefits. <clears throat> Firstly, it helps to clear away and dispose of natural debris, um, which you know can fuel dangerous wildfires. Right. And second, but what are they producing? Methane or something or other? I mean, rubbish doesn't usually generate electricity in my backyard. No, no, they they burn it. Oh, they burn. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, but isn't that bur- bad for the atmosphere? All that. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Uh, secondly, using the biomass for fuel creates a nutritious kind of charcoal byproduct called biochar, um, and when it's mixed with soil, it nourishes crops and plants while simultaneously trapping carbon in the ground, rather than allowing it to escape the the trees during. Uh, Allowing it to scrape the trees during wildfires, making the entire system a carbon negative device. Okay, but how much how much um, firewood does this thing consume in a day? I have no idea. It doesn't say. But basically, it's biomass. So twigs, branches, dead trees. Um, then the then the charcoal is put back into the earth to you know enrich the nutrients in the, the earth. Smoke goes up into the atmosphere to create a carbon footprint in the atmosphere, right? I guess. I guess not. I guess they must have some. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. intrigued. I'm absolutely 100%. intrigued. Yeah. I, I have a million questions here. Maybe, maybe we need to get the inventor of this on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, put me on the phone <laughs> I'll, to I'll, Africa. I'll, I'll let you chase that one. <laughs> and since some, you know, because obviously, because my first thought was like, oh, perfect. If they stick it out in Africa, they have lots of solar, right? But they're doing it through biomass. But then they had little, um, a little bio note saying that um, some disaster-stricken areas may not have access to biomass, um, and so this Skywater device can be adapted to solar power and wind energy power systems as well. That's cool. Yeah. But I, I wonder I wonder if maybe the carbon footprint for solar and wind is maybe greater than that of burning biomass. Because carbon of, footprint for solar and wind you'd is You'd think it'd be the other way small. around. Yeah. yeah I, I would have thought it would have. Anyway, they've obviously got a theory here that works something um, very, very tricky out and I'd love to know how it works. Yeah. Well, at any given time... Um, <coughs> You know, the atmosphere apparently holds 12 quadrillion gallons of um, water. 
And uh, we've just got to get it out of the we just, we just have to you know extract it. So I'm really excited about this one. I really hope it goes well. Uh, I want to tell you something super fluffy. I know we only have a minute and a half left. <laughs> but the US Embassy, have, have you heard about the controversy, the latest controversy with the US Embassy, Lyle? No. Oh, this is a big one. They made a real boo boo. <laughs> Oops. They sent out a mass email. The subject line of the email simply read meeting. Uh, but the attached picture was this and it was an invitation. Oh, <laughs> I heard something about a, this. Did you hear something a about this? A cat pajama party. <laughs> so there's a cat wearing a cookie monster onesie with a plate of cookies on his lap. and uh, Looking like what on earth are these humans yeah. doing on his face? But, uh, so a lot of people have received this email by accident, and uh, and so <laughs> they've had to um, issue an official apology. <laughs> so what, what was was somebody testing a system or something or other? Or? No, I think I think they maybe hit the wrong send all kind of system because you know how you have ah, different you have different ah, um, ah, different ah, groups of people that go, you send it to. Did it go worldwide? I, yeah, it went pretty far, and then of course because people everywhere then forwarded it. So it's been forwarded. It's gone completely viral. <laughs> yes. The US NBC is having a cat, pa- a cat pajama party. I kind of want to go. Like all of the significant things that the United States Embassy needs to yeah. do. This is like this is important. This Somebody is, um, was this clearly needs to be global. Clearly slacking off at work. I really hope they can say they Somebody. did this on their lunch break so they don't get in trouble because. I would yeah, never way punish you. Too much time on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should get an award for actually doing something, maybe. Yeah, I, I kind of. Government kinda, departments and all, you know. How I want to see pictures of the party. I want to see a bunch of cats in onesies. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> you're forgiven. Just send us pictures of how it all went down. Anyway, this is Anthem Lights, All Creatures of Our Garden King. All creatures of our Garden King. Lift up your voice and with us sing Alleluia, Alleluia Thou burning sun with golden beam Thou silver moon with softer gleam Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him So strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven long. Oh, praise him, hallelujah. Thou rising morning, praise, rejoice. Ye lights of evening, find a
you're listening to Anthem Lights with all creatures of our God and King here on Faith FM. And Mon, do we have another clue for our quiz? Yes, Sire. Who am I? I was captured by the armies of three kings who joined the Kedorlaomer to attack my city. Tedaloma. Tedaloma. There's no chert, there's a kurt. Yeah, but it's spelled with It's a kiki kurt. Ah, whatever. You can pronounce it however you want. I'll pronounce it how you pronounce it, because you know more than me. He was the emperor of the world empire at that particular time. Ooh, la la. Mm-hmm. The, great, the, world super, the current world superpower it was. And uh, yeah, he was, in, he, was, he was running the whole show. Oh. Anyway, coming to more serious news. France is um, in the firing line from the United Nations. Oh, were they done? For their ban on the niqab. On the what now? The niqab. On the kneecap. Okay, so you, yeah, you got the kneecap, the hijab, and the burqa. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. Okay, okay so this is the one that uh, just has a slot uh, for, a um, for for the eyes, mm-hmm. um, and of course the um, the hijab is the headscarf, mm-hmm. and then the burqa is you know the, the full the full covering, just like just mesh in front of the eyes. That's all. Oh, okay. Right. So those, those are your three different forms of uh, Islamic dress for women, mm-hmm. and. Um, France has outlawed the kneecap, which is you know the the, um, the slot mm-hmm. um, across the top, and the burqa. And the United Nations has jumped all over them and said that um, this is a violation of human rights. So, what's your opinion, Mon? I was going to say, what do you think, Lyle? I was going to I was going to find out what your opinion is so I can give you a hard time over it. But no, I don't think you're going to give me. Okay, a hard so here's time. my opinion. <clears throat> my opinion is that I don't like it. I don't like mm-hmm. Islamic dress. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I look at it. And there are a number of reasons why I don't like it. I find it uh, misogynistic against women. Mm-hmm. I find it um, indicative of um, the, the, in danger of creating a rape culture. Yep. And I find it um, very insulting towards men. The assumption, the assumption being that, you know, no men can control themselves. Men are uncontrollable beasts that the moment they see the slightest bit of flesh are going to do the wrong thing. And I don't believe that that is the case. And men have been in the firing line, and rightfully so, with the Me Too campaign. We need to pick up our game, but the majority of men are not like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you get the wrong kind of person, give them the wrong kind of power, and they will abuse that power. Sadly, that is the case, but the majority of men are not like that, and it makes us all look bad. And, you know, the burqa, the head covering, the kneecap, um, etc., all just make men look bad. So there's, there's, there's my little rant on that. However, mm-hmm. having said that, I don't like it. But the question I have to ask myself is this. Is it immoral for a woman to choose to dress that way? And the answer is no, it is not immoral for for a woman to dress that way. If that's what she prefers to wear, if that's how she prefers to dress, then that's not a moral issue. She can dress however she likes. Um, <clears throat> so the question here is that this is this because this is not a moral issue, then shouldn't we extend religious liberty to everyone? Yeah. I think they should be free to dress how they want, even though we don't like it. Yeah, and we can simply uh, state our dislike. Yeah. You know, you don't have to – there's a thing called freedom of expression. We don't all have to agree on everything. We can state our dislike and we can state our reasons for why we dislike it. But we shouldn't be in the uh, the business of enforcing, you know, people to abandon their religious – Practices, mm-hmm. um, and this is a this is an issue of religious it's, liberty that is not a moral issue. But that's a sticky slope as well, because you know I'd like to say that um, 
we shouldn't impinge on people's religious freedom, provided that, that what they're practicing religiously doesn't break any laws. But then you could make those laws so that you could then say, well, they are breaking them. And this so is where no people longer. get confused yeah. over religious liberty. Because religious what if liberty is about the first four commandments. It's about worship to God. Yeah. I mean, what, if a, so, yeah. what if someone's religion is to sacrifice babies? That's right. That should be definitely outlawed. Their, their religious liberty should be most certainly impinged upon. And this is where people come unstuck because they suddenly think, oh, religious liberty means that we don't make any laws that are based around Their ethics mm-hmm. and that ethics begin with religion. And we all have laws about the last six commandments. You know, honor your parents, don't steal, don't kill, don't lie, don't all these kind of things. It's the first four areas of worship that we don't make laws around. And this particular um, issue here does not fit within the last six commandments. There is nothing in this that that fits within the last six commandments. It's not is not hurting anybody else. And if people to choose to do that, then hey, you know, they should have the liberty to to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree. They, I hate that they're harassed. So the last six commandments are all about doing harm to yourself and doing harm to others, and that's where we need to have. Uh, legislation, not the first four. Uh, the government should stay as far out of the first four as they possibly can. And I guess this is where even more confusion comes in because we know from reading the Bible and, and um, studying Bible prophecy that at some point the government will get involved with the Ten Commandments and then suddenly the laws of man will oppose the laws of God. And then we need to know what the laws of God are so we're following the laws I guess that matter more. Yep. So, it, and it becomes even like a, you know a murkier, and uh, this is why we need to be so in tune with the Bible and what the Bible says about morality, because God's morality will always trump man's morality. But at the same time, you don't want to say that as some sort of an excuse to not keeping the laws that you can be keeping that you should be keeping. This, yeah, it's it's such a little dangerous tippy toe game. To keep it through. is indeed. Um, it it can be a tightrope work at times. Um, anyway, um, France is not the only country that has these kind of laws. It seems to be quite popular in Europe. So De- Denmark, Belgium, Netherlands, uh, Bulgaria, and Bavaria. Well, what's the response from the Muslim communities? Are they actually abiding by the laws? Or are they taking off? Well, basically, their- um, they either uh, abide by the laws and take off their um, you know the Islamic clothing, mm-hmm. or they face penalties, and quite a number of them, ha- of them have been fined as a result of these laws. Or, and this is the biggest problem that the United Nations is giving France a hard time over, is that women are just confined to indoors. They're just not allowed outside. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say they, they would get um, extradited or like kicked back out back to some other Muslim country or something. No, nah, it's like a two $300 fine if you get caught. Wow. Wow. I want to know whether or not it's actually changing the minds of the people who are wearing them. No, of course it's not. You yeah. can't change a person's mind with legislation. Well, you know, I don't see that you can anyway. Yeah. Um, and I'm a, I've, got, I've got good Muslim friends who live here in this country and they choose not to wear the headscarf because they find that it creates too much offence in Australia and they believe that there's a, um, an out for them in the Quran well, that I- enables them to do so in those kinds of uh, circumstances where they're persecuted. Well, Lyle, on the other hand, let's think about the Muslim countries where we would go as tourists, you know, Westerners, and we would be required to wear, well, I would be required to wear a headscarf. And I'm required and to wear long pants. Yeah, to not break the laws there. So I feel like you can't really kick up a fuss about uh, a country making laws where you can't wear... Um, you know, a full covering when, you know, other countries have laws where you have to wear a full covering. 
Yeah, this is an interesting mm-hmm. this is an interesting discussion. You give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number if you've got something to say on this and maybe you're an Islamic person and you can give us uh, your perspective on I, what this is all about. I still haven't made up my mind about if I ever do, you know, go visit the Middle East and make it to some of these countries, whether or not I will conform or whether or not I'll make a statement. I still, I still not decided. <laughs> I think it'll come down to safety. I'll come and visit you in jail. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I'll send you a postcard in jail. I might not come and visit you, but I will send you a postcard. Bring me cookies. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, in other news, very quickly, the uh, Museum of the Bible, which was opened last Ooh. year in in, uh, in the United States by Mike Pence, has uh, as a centerpiece, one of their centerpieces of their collection, are 16 fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, Ooh. five of which have just been found to be forgeries. <gasps> no. Yes. <gasps> so Mike in, in around Pence. about 2002, no, it wasn't Mike Pence's fault. Around about 2002, the world was um, flooded with uh, lots of um, antiquities that came on the market very, very quickly. Amongst those were quite a number of fragments of Dead Sea Scrolls. Many surmised that they were um, fragments that came from Cave 11 that was discovered in 2017 uh-huh. and had already been looted. Uh, but along along with that, you know, if there's if there's a market for these kinds of things, yeah, you know, that is suddenly suddenly mm-hmm. you've got all of this stuff coming on the market, then people are going to jump on the bandwagon and start to create forgeries. And Museum of the Bible got caught. Yeah, bit of, five of them are forgeries. Bit of dirt, bit of old tea water, yeah, and you can came, make anything look old. Came came through, <laughs> snuck snuck their way through with. But at least they've uh, got one real one. No, they've got sixteen in total. Oh, they've, got so they've got eleven real. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah but but you know what? They should just there. have a, a separate exhibition, little exit exhibit where they have the five fake ones because people oh, love to see a forgery. Absolutely, love I mean, hey, seeing the museum forgeries. of the museum of forgery. What is it in it's Paris? Huge, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, have you been there? No, but I really want to. I know it's it's like super cool. I have a book about it. Yeah. But, of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the greatest archaeological discovery of all time mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the most valuable, uh, far surpassing the discovery of uh, Tutankhamun's golden treasure. Oh, you reckon? Oh, absolutely. Ask any archaeologist and they'll tell you that this was the most significant archaeological discovery ever made. I'd love to have seen both, to be honest. That'd yeah. be just amazing. Was his dream more like a prison now? It seems somewhere on the corporate climb, he left his warrior behind. Now he's just a worker at a daily grind that steals his years and numbs his mind. His strength is fading, his dreams are blind. This is not the life he had in mind. He's up all night Staring at a screen that tells him lies That the grass is greener on the other side So she's at the gym Fighting off the years To be young again and calm her fears That she'll never be enough for him Just as a young man catches her eye Now they're trapped in their own worlds In their own wars With their cell phones and the closed doors It's funny how quiet and peaceful that it seems But they're all alone together 
in the house of their dreams. Little sister, she's a sixteen-year-old princess lost somewhere between the swing set and a brand new crush's chariot. Rooms glowing with trophies to shout his name, but he trade all his high school fame for some backyard catch with his hero again. But they're trapped in their own worlds and their own wars with their cell phones and the closed doors. It's funny how quiet and peaceful that it seems. But they're all alone together. House of their dreams. So now they're all dressed up in Sunday best, sit up straight just like the rest, and sing the songs of peace and rest that Jesus freely gives. Kids look up as Daddy stands, and he takes his bride with trembling hands. The brother kneels at his father's side as Princess looks in her mother's eyes. Their tears tear down the walls as Daddy prays. We're trapped in our own worlds and our own wars, with our cell phones and our closed doors. God, only you can save our family, and on this rock we'll build. On this rock we'll build the house of our dreams. You're listening to Casting Crowns with um, House of Dreams, here, House of Their Dreams here on Faith FM. And before we get into our interview of the day, Mond, we got another uh, yes, another clue for our quiz. We got a lot of clues this morning. Yes, and by the way, the, the <laughs> I know a lot about this guy, but the Bible doesn't say a lot about this. Yeah, person. well, the the prize for today's quiz is actually a KJV Holy Bible, uh, so it's a nice big Ooh, Bible, old school Bible. Yeah, yeah. red and white cover, beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, publication. Uh, published by the Nelson Nelson Publication um, Company, and the quiz. Sorry, yes, <laughs> I'm distracted by how pretty the Bible is. <laughs> uh, so the quiz is a Who Am I quiz, and the third clue is I am the son of Haran, Abraham's brother. There you go. Who was mm. that? See how much you can find out about this person. Well, we have uh, joining us on the show today via phone is Barand Newstratton. Barand is an expert on the book of Genesis, particularly the first couple of chapters. Barand, welcome to the show. 
Uh, thank you, Lyle. Good to be with you. Now, Baron, you've been on the show before a number of times already. Um, last time you were on, we did a bit of an introduction to the book of Genesis. And yeah. over the last few weeks, we've had several um, interviews with uh, scientists who were up at the uh, Creation, Creation Ministries Super Conference talking about the subject of creation. I thought it would be good to come back to this one and to just talk a little bit about the various days of creation, what, what it was that was actually taking place. And mm. uh, so, yeah, I thought we'd start with uh, day one of creation. What, what was created on day one? Basically, there was the introduction of light, which, of course, is an energy source. But what is so remarkable about the uh, exposition of the Bible is that the light today, of course, is provided uh, for us by the sun. Over 40% is visible light. And visible light is actually the, the visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum. And uh, that light in on day one, and therefore day two and three, was not originated by the sun. And that is a very remarkable statement. And uh, the only book that uh, makes this proposition, of course, is the Bible. Yeah, so that's, um, and I find that interesting when you say that only 40% of the light that we see is visible light? Yeah, it's between infrared and ultraviolet. If you put them all together, you have uh, light, visible light, but no, colorless light, if you like. Uh, the one we take for granted, mm-hmm. it's there every day, which is wonderful. Um, but the reality is that about over 50% of the sun's radiation is infrared. Just over 40% would be the visible light. That's the spectrum between the infrared and the ultraviolet. And the rest is actually the ultraviolet light itself. Okay, so when we come back to the uh, the first day of creation, why didn't God just create the sun on the first day? Why, why, why have a different source of light and then change it a couple of days later? Well, uh, that's a very good question. It deserves a good answer. If you look at the order of creation and implementation of the elements that are required to sustain organic life uh, as we know it, and that includes ourselves, we come to the realization that we need water. And right there at the second verse, when it introduces the, the planet that's being unformed and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, that means that part of the electromagnetic spectrum was missing, and probably, therefore, also any electromagnetic spectrum, which means there was no sun. Obviously, it's noted that it was created on, uh, on day four. And then you have an introduction, and this is uh, a marvelous statement, that the Spirit of God, or God the Spirit, or Ruach Elohim is also God the Spirit, hovered over the face of the water. Now, the Bible denotes that there was water right at the beginning, that obviously was created by God and put there. And then we have the reality that the Spirit of God energizes and the water is now worked upon because the verb, the hovering or the moving of the Spirit of God or God the Spirit indicates two things, Lyle. One, that God the Spirit has to be in an entity, a physical entity. Uh, the verb rachat in the Hebrew and the conjugation here, cannot mean 
a mindset. It has to be an entity, a person. Okay, that's, and, that's very interesting, yep. Yeah, it is very interesting. So obviously, there was a supernatural intervention where the, the water was brought to the surface, which is really an introduction of the, the, the gravitational uh, reality as we know it. And uh, that makes this such a profound statement. You could dwell on that actually for quite a long time, but it basically uh, introduces the necessity of a gravitational existence where the lighter substance, such as the water, covers the, sur the surface of the Earth and the heavier particles gravitate towards the center. Okay, so we've got water on the surface. We've got uh, the Spirit of God moving or working on the water. Then we have... Working is, yeah. <coughs> yeah, working on the water would be the best translation. Hovering is another one. Um, the moving here, Lyle, is not from A to B. It's really a high frequency uh, to and fro movement, which is so indicative of all sources of energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It sort of makes you wonder, ex you know, e exactly what was God doing when he was moving, you know, on the surface of the earth at this particular time and, and, and what, you know, scientific processes there were that were taking place as a result of that. As you say, oh, it's something we could... absolutely, yes. And the interesting thing, Lyle, is that really if the sun was the light source, as the sun as we know it on day one, the water would have evaporated from the surface of the Earth in no time. If you look at the moon, for argument's sake, which is a much smaller planet than ours, but nevertheless about the same distance to the sun and exposed to the same intensity of the, its radiation, the moon has no detectable water, and certainly not in fluid form. And if you look at the Earth being in space, no energy source, it would be, uh, the, the temperature would be absolute uh, zero, which is minus 270 degrees Celsius. So you can imagine that we would be just like a, uh, well, what shall I say, an asteroid or a comet, uh, just a, a frozen bit of uh, water and, uh, and, and, and dirt. That's basically mm. what we would be. Because this is there is because you know there's there's no sun at this particular time. Okay, so the no. when when the when the uh, if if the water exists, there's obviously then a heat source as well. Yeah, correct. Okay, so we've got a heat correct. source. If the sun exists, you, mean, you the mentioned light. if the sun existed, that the water would have evaporated. Um, yes, but the sun have. exists now, and the water you know it evaporates certainly, but it it just follows that cycle sure, and it comes sure. back down. Well, well, if you go to day, yes, that is so true. So on day two, God creates the atmosphere. There's a division of the water uh, from the water, which means in a vertical sense, we have fluid water covering the full and uh, the whole of the globe. And we have water vapor, still water, obviously somewhere in the higher sphere, stratosphere. It could even have been a bit further. And uh, the reality is that on day one, we do not have an atmosphere. And without an atmosphere, the evaporation would be so horrendous. As we know, water evaporates at 100 degrees Celsius at sea level, one atmospheric pressure. But if you go up 20 kilometers, 60,000 feet, it boils at body temperature. And if you go even higher and lower your atmospheric pressure, uh, it would evaporate just on one or two or three degrees. Mm, that's fascinating. I would never have thought of it like that before. But yeah, we would have the water would have just vanished in a moment if the sun had existed back then. So God has oh, to create absolutely. an atmosphere before He can create the sun, so that the yeah. water actually stays on planet Earth. 
Yes, correct. So there is sufficient energy in the first light, as it says there in the uh, in then uh, verse four, and 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 God saw the light and that it was good, it was suitable for the planet in that condition without an atmosphere. It would do no harm. It would not evaporate the water. The thermal velocity would have gotten rid of our water in under a day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so what what was the light? Ah, that's a good question. The Bible <laughs> is relatively silent on that. It obviously had a different spectrum than the sunlight. Yes. And uh, that is the way it was because it was suitable for the occasion. But uh, what we do know, and that's the interesting part, what we do know that the light was directional, like a sunlight. It comes from a certain direction. It, it uh, affects a certain part of this globe. And uh, that would have been the case also of the first light, which God called into being. The Bible does not give us any technical details. Why does it? Why? How do we know that it was directional? Uh, because clearly, that God in verse five calls the the, the day uh, light or the light day, and the darkness He calls night. And then, subsequent to that, there was evening and there was morning in the same verse. Now, so evening is the process from light to dark, and obviously the, the morning is the opposite. And then the interesting thing is that the author, Moses, as we would believe, three and a half thousand years ago, when you look at verse 5, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, there was morning. So there is a rotation, mm-hmm. one day, not mm-hmm. the first day, because it doesn't say that in the Hebrew. It is Yom Echad, which means it is a day. He describes the process of a day, that is light, dark, evening, and morning. Mm-hmm. And we can only get the evening and the morning if there's a rotation. And there are two possibilities. Either the light source goes around the Earth and it becomes a geocentric event, or the Earth rotates on its axis, which is then obviously a, a different proposition the process of evening and morning is uh, is achieved by that rotation. Sure. Now, we know that the Earth rotates on its axis today. Have we got... Yeah, would, would there be anything to indicate that God would have done it differently back before the creation of the sun? No, no. No, no. No, no. It's the same motion because when we go to the next few verses and uh, you look at the second day, the second day could not be the second day if it was not synonymous with the first day. And the third day could not have been the third day if it was not synonymous or like the preceding two days. Okay, now what, is the, what, what, is the Bible, what does the Bible indicate about the length of these days? Well, if you consider that when it was written three and a half thousand years ago by Moses, uh, the duration of the, the day of uh, during the time of Moses was exactly what it is today. It's a 24-hour day, as we only know it. Nothing is indicative of the fact that it may be uh, longer or shorter, and, and, and that is crystal clear. So the day one, uh, the, the process described in verse 5, was of a 24-hour duration, and the second has to be uh, synonymous with the first day, so also a 24-hour day. And so on and so forth, right down through the seven days of creation, they're all synonymous with yeah, each absolutely. other. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So, yes, is there absolutely. is there any is there any leeway here at all for you know um, long periods you know being referred to as day on day is like a thousand years? This kind of yeah, 
Well, imagine if you had a day for a thousand years, what would happen to our ecology? Uh, organic life, as we know it, would not, uh, would not be sustained on this planet. Uh, an exposure for hundreds of years continuously to sunlight would scorch and would f- totally decrease the, the portion that would not be exposed to the sunlight. Uh, we couldn't have the habitable planet that we have today if that were to be the case. That's actually a really good observation because, you know, summertime comes, we get those long days and those temperatures certainly go right up, you know, high in a very short yep. space of time and everything starts to turn brown and dry. Correct. And, yep. uh, Correct. you know, if you expen- extended that even out over the space of a week, you know, most things yep. that we have, uh, if we didn't actually step in and, and start watering like crazy, they'd just be dead. Yeah, and it's just in the biological cycles of, of the flora and fauna, it would not, it would not survive. Sure, sure. Okay, so very quickly, um, just moving on to um, the atmosphere, and I think we'll talk more about the creation of the atmosphere at a um, uh, <coughs> on another time. But uh, the um, the waters separate here at, at this particular time. Yeah, on day two, that is the introduction of an atmosphere, the the or firmament. The Hebrew word is rakia, and then God names it. And you'll find that in verse 8, that firmament he calls heaven. And the word heaven is a very interesting word, shamayim, which is really a composite word. Uh, if you are in the firmament that is in the atmosphere, uh, the word sham means over there, and mayim is actually a dual plural of water, and there's only one word for it. And uh, it's interesting that if you were to be in the firmament, you look up and there's water in the form of water vapor. And then, of course, you look down, then you have a full globe, the globe that is fully covered in water. And uh, the name, uh, the word uh, Shamayan could be explained uh, along those lines. Mm, that's fascinating. Baron, we're going to have to talk about that in more detail next time we have you on the show. Um, Always so insightful and so interesting whenever you come on uh, here on Faith FM and talk about the the days of creation. We look forward to having you back again uh, sometime in the future. Thank you for joining us. Be a pleasure. Thank you, Lyle. That was Baron Neustraten talking to us once again about the days of creation, and we're going to be working our way through those days of creation over, uh, yeah, the next little while is going to be a, a continue to be a semi-regular uh, presenter here on Faith FM. But right now we need to move on. We have Chelsea Moon, and she's going to bring us um, that wonderful song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Open my lips I will sing your praise forever Open my lips, O Lord I will sing your Faith FM, positively different radio.